0: You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning. It is good to be here with you today. I'm really glad to be here with you. If you're visiting with us, welcome to Kingsway. My name is Matt Nickerson, so if last Sunday was your first Sunday, either check us out online or being here. Uh, I had a guest speaker, so you get to see what it's like on a normal Sunday, and we're really glad you're here. So I just learned some things over the last couple months I thought was fascinating. Did you know that on Monday, 50% of employees are late to work? (laughs) Some of you are like, yes, I do, because they all work for me, (laughs) all of them. Did you know that a study showed the average person doesn't smile until 11:16 16 a.m. on Monday? I think that's the moment when the coffee kicks in. I'm not 100% sure. Have you noticed you drink more coffee on Monday than any other day of the week? I don't know. Maybe not. Did you know that in America today, a study with Gallup was done that showed that businesses lose over $84 billion a year, a year? to absenteeism. Not just on Monday, in general, but let that sink in, especially for those of you who own a business or or are responsible for the success of a business. Those numbers are mind-boggling. And so here's our theory for this entire series. What if Monday wasn't a day to be dreaded? What if Monday was a day to be looked forward to? In this first message today, I have this theory that most of us, not necessarily all of us, a few of you clapped when Danielle asked, but most of us spend Monday through Friday working for the what? Because everybody's working. No? Okay, anyway. You got to be over a certain age to know that one. But the whole idea is most of us go to work Monday through Friday, and it's about you know Friday at noon, right? And we're looking at the watch constantly. We're looking at the clock constantly. and It's like, yes, I can't wait for it to finally come. We get to the weekend. We work as hard or we play as hard and as fast and as long as we can. So that Sunday night comes and it's like, oh, I gotta go to work on Monday. Monday, you get up, you can't get going. You just seem to be dragging. There's traffic everywhere. You gotta go do the thing and all the things that are waiting for you the week. And so it just starts over and over and over and over, and especially if you're coming off a vacation. And it's like, how do I get out of vacation mode, back into work mode? And it's just a drag, right? Well, what we wanna do throughout this series is we want to try to prepare you to make Monday perhaps the best day of the week. You're like, how in the world are you going to do that? Well, I'm not sure I can succeed, but what I want to do today is I want to lay a biblical idea, a biblical foundation for work. I think a lot of us, the problem is that we think of work as the enemy. Work is the thing that I have to endure so I can enjoy the rest of my life, so that I can have a house, so that I can have fun, so that I can have a car, so I can go on vacation, that kind of thing. But the truth is, the Bible says work is good. Did you know that? So as a church, our mission is to become more like Christ. If you wanna know who's King's Way, what's Way about, what we're constantly doing is trying to figure out who is Jesus, what would he be doing in the world, and then how do we become more like him? And so what we wanna to do today is we wanna open up our Bible and study who Jesus is. We wanna look at what Jesus has to say. And uh, the place that we're gonna do that is in the very, very beginning. So a little Bible 101, I don't have this verse for you, but there's a gospel book, if you were here last week, the gospel book of John, the fourth one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And John says, in the beginning was the word, was Jesus. And he was with God and he was God. And then he goes on and he says, and everything that was made was made through him. So now what I want to do is I want to start at the very beginning and I want to see our God, Jesus, who works and he goes to work on our behalf. And he does some cool things in the world. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm opening Genesis 1. The way many Christians, so for those of you who already claim Christ, the way many Christians read Genesis 1 today is we read it as a science book. And I want to take a step back from reading it as a science book, and I wanna read it as a theology book today and grasp an understanding of what God is up to in the world so that we can understand what we're supposed to be up to in the world. Ready? I think that's enough setup. Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is exactly what uh, John is riffing off of when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's laying a foundation. He's building off this, and he's saying Jesus is God. He's the Son of God, and he is God here in the flesh to us. But in the very beginning, what we see is, go back, sorry. In the very beginning, what we see is God is a creator. He's in the business of creating, and he creates out of nothing. Now look at verse 2. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There's so many cool things going on here. Someday, I would love to just do an entire series on Genesis 1 or Genesis 1 and 2, but for our purposes today, I wanna focus on this for a second. Now, this phrase here, it's really fascinating. Now, the earth was formless and empty. What in the world does that mean? Well, that's the NIV, and it's actually the Hebrew phrase tohu vavohu. Everybody get that? I'm gonna have you say that with me, ready? I'm gonna say it again. You don't say it yet. Tohu vavohu, and it's like a little rhyme, and I'm gonna have you say it with me on three. Just make sure you got it. Ready? One, two, three. Tohu vavohu. So you can see some of the ways that the other translations try to deal with it. The earth was formless and empty. It was without form and void. It was formless and desolate emptiness. That sounds pretty tragic, doesn't it? And desolate emptiness. Well, it's this idea of a barren wasteland. It was there, but life wasn't occurring. Nothing was flourishing. Nothing was happening. It was chaotic. It was waste, empty, needing of life. Now, real quick. One of the things I love to do, if you come to Kingsway for any length of time, I get really excited about this stuff. I love to study my Bible. Like, I just think the Bible is the coolest book ever. I think it's because God wrote it. I get really, 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 really excited about things. Most people go, I don't understand why you care about that, but I'm glad you do, Matt. And I love to see the connections between what God is doing. And what we're going to see in the first two chapters of the book of Genesis is God repeats a pattern because it's in his character. And he does it over and over and over and over and over again. And if nothing else, perhaps this is the nugget that you need today. God is in the business of bringing life where there's death. God is in the business of raising those dry bones that we sang about earlier and putting flesh on them. God is in the business of restoring and renewing and creating. And we want to be like God. So I put together this little chart, and I thought this chart would help you, and you may may not be able to see everything. But let me just kind of walk you through the chart as best as I can. So here we get day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and day seven. And then I put over here that what God was doing on each of those days. And if you notice, they're color-coded, right? And I'll get to that in just a second. And then we have over here. What we see is if you take the first three days of the creation, which happens over the next rest of chapter one, what we see is God creates through organization, He's organizing this wild and waste, this tohu vavohu. Then in day four, five, and six, God fills his creation with meaning and purpose. Now, let me just walk you through this because I don't know if anybody's ever walked you through Genesis 1. What you saw was a debate between, I don't know, Bill Nye and the guy from the creation, whatever thing at the ark, whatever, I can't remember the name of it. In Cincinnati. That thing. Ken Ham, that's his name. Anyway. You maybe saw that and you thought, I I don't know. I don't know about all this stuff. Those Christians are weird because they're anti-science and they just believe in faith, everything. And what I want to do is I want to take all of that. There's some really good resource for you to look into, but I want to set them aside for now, all right? So wherever you land on that, just do me a favor, set it aside. That's not our purpose right now. What I want to do is highlight the theology of Genesis chapter 1 and not the science of Genesis chapter 1. So let's just take a quick look. Let's do a run through of Genesis 1 through 7, or sorry, days 1 through 7 of the creation story and see what we learn about God. So on day 1, God creates light, God saw the light was good, and he separates it from darkness, Now, one of the things that's really interesting is I'm making those connections, in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, we see that it says, John makes his point that in the end, whenever Jesus returns and we're all taken up into this, whatever new heaven and new earth looks like, that there will be no need for a sun because God will be our light. And that's part of what's happening here because the sun, the moon, and the stars aren't created until day four. So God is sustaining life. So there's something happening here on day one that is very unique. God is separating day from night, but more than that, he's separating kind of like good from evil. He's separating light from darkness. God is the life source whereby everything else is going to come from, and he is carrying it and sustaining it by himself. Day two, God creates the vault and separates the sky from the water. So what we see consistently in these first three days is God does a lot of separating organizing. Are you with me? Then on day three, God creates land and separates it from water, and God saw that it was good. Then God creates plant life to come up from the ground, and God saw that it was good. Are you with me? So he's organizing by separating. Land is different than water. (laughs) Sky is different than the ground and the water below. Plant life is going to be different from the other things. So he's separating and he's bringing forth life. Now, this is relevant to your job, I promise, we'll get there. Day four, God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars, and notice this, he does this to fill this. So day four fills day one. Are you with me? We're like, why is that relevant, pastor? <laughs> Stick with me. It's like going to grandmother's house. You gotta go over the river and through the woods, Okay. On day five, God creates sea creatures to fill the waters and the birds to fill the air. So notice on day five, he creates the thing to fill the thing that he's already created here. Are you with me? Same thing again when we get down to day six. God creates the animals to fill the land. Then he creates humans in his image on the earth. And we'll come back to all of that. And then on day seven, God rests. What we see consistently, and actually we'll talk about this more next week, but what we see consistently through the scriptures is that God did this in part in Genesis 1 to give us a pattern of working six days and resting on one. We're not going to spend time there today because we'll get to that, like I said, later in the series. But I want to point out a few things here for you to notice. Organization is actually from God. I thought I'd maybe get at least a couple managers in the room who'd get really excited about that. Well, maybe an accountant or two. Come on, somebody, any IRS agent? Somebody who thinks that organizing is a good thing. Yes. Nobody? Okay, thank you, thank you, okay. <laughs> Creating is a good thing. No artists in the room? Nobody? That's okay, you don't have to clap after everyone. I'll be okay. i put my big boy pants on today. But I also, one thing clearly jumps out at us when you look at this, and if you look at it, it's a repeating thing. What's the repeating thing? And it was good. But does anybody see anything weird? It's the one in the black here. Every day has an and it was good, except for what? Day two. Well, yes, also day seven, but it's because I didn't include it. It's actually later, and it's like, and it was very good. But the idea here is what? Something happened or didn't happen on day two. So was day two a bad day for God? Was he just tired that day? Did he really need to get to day seven? He's like, oh, I just gotta endure. You know, Sunday is day one. Monday is day two. Even God hates Mondays. That's bad theology. That is not what's happening here. The word for good is the word tov, Tov. One of the things, just so you ever look this stuff up, you find a different uh, interpretation of that. When I say the word v or the word "ba," you can't really distinguish between what I'm saying. So if you go look it up, some, may people, some people may say tov, other people say tov, because we're not 100% sure the best way to translate it. But regardless, the idea is the same. So tov is the word for good. Now, if you go look up the word tov in Hebrew, what you're going to find out is it means something like beautiful, beautiful but it means so much more than beautiful. It means beautiful used according to its function. You're like, what does any of this have to do with anything? I know, I love studying my Bible and I think it's extremely relevant for your workplace. My my Old Testament professor, professor, his name was Daniel Dyke, I reached out to him and I just said, help me understand a couple things here. So I, I asked him a few questions and he gave me this little nugget back. Here's what he said. He said, note that day two does not say it was good, why? because the sea is not in its total functional use, because it must be separated from the land. On day three, when the sea and the land are separated, it is then good, because it's then functional according to what God created it to do. Now, what does all of this mean? God created the heavens and the earth to be both pleasing to look at, to meet all of our needs, to provide for us, to be a place of adventure as well. You ever find like little seashells on the seashore and you're like, I've never seen that before. That's so cool. We went to Myrtle Beach a couple months ago and one day I'm looking out, uh, my dad found this amazing place. It was literally right on the beach and he rented it for us. I was like, this is glorious. And my wife and I took a bedroom overlooking the beach and uh, since we beat my sister there and we made her take a bedroom further in the house because I love Jesus. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking out this, this uh, sliding glass door that looks out at the ocean and it's like 10 o'clock at night and I see all these people walking around with flashlights and so I Google like, what are people doing on the beach at 10 o'clock at night with flashlights? And it turns out they're looking for crabs and so they go out and they find them and I was like, oh, we're doing that. So I get up early the next morning and I walk to the store and I buy flashlights and uh, I come back and we go looking for crabs that night and I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Most people are kind of bored but it was kind of exciting. We found a starfish was, nobody thought that was cool. I found a starfish. We put it in a bucket. I found crabs. I finally caught one. We put it in a bucket. Like, it was so cool. Like, we are discovering these nuggets that God has hidden in his creation. It's like, this is amazing. And my boys think it's so cool because they're all boy, and it was great. And then next time I want to go back out, they're like, Dad, we did that already. But anyway, my point is, have you noticed that God's creation has all kinds of really fun things for you to discover and find and look for? Some of you who enjoy fishing, I went fishing for the first time ever this past week. Uh, Okay, first time in 30 years, which feels like forever. And I had a blast. I didn't catch a frog, I didn't catch a goose, I didn't catch a duck, that's what I used to catch. I caught a fish, and it was kind of fun, and I had a lot of fun. And why am I saying that? Because if you notice that God's creation, it's like its purpose is just to be beautiful, and just to provide, and just to have fun. Have you noticed that God's creation functions according to the way that God created it to function? Well, at least kind of we'll get to that. So when things aren't functioning the way that God created them to function, it's actually bad. It's not good. It's not to be celebrated. Are you understanding what's happening there? <laughs> Just take a look for a second at some pictures of creation. Just enjoy for a minute the beauty of a sunrise or just a mountain and a lake. Man, it looks like some of the places I used to live next to in Colorado. Or perhaps, can you imagine, like, before the flood and all what we understand today, just like God's creation, you know, and He's filling the seas and He's filling the airs with birds and whales and fishies. Or an amazing waterfall. Or perhaps just the flowers in spring. And don't you watch that and look at those things and those moments like you just got off vacation and you capture them to yourself and you think, that's good, don't you? And then you think to yourself, if I could just push through for the next few months, I can go back again. I've seen some of your social media accounts, right? You can't wait to go back again. It's like, I just gotta get out of here so I can go there. As if there's a difference between here and there. And therein lies the problem. There isn't a difference between here and there. You're like, yes, yes, there is. I live in Indiana. I don't live there. I get it. I used to live there. But there isn't a difference. Why? Because the same God who created that created you and created this. If I had another hour, I would show you How in the beginning, God had a design for humans. When it says he made us in his image, something unique was going on there, something different than the animal life, something different than the sea creatures and the birds and the plant life. He put in us something beautiful and unique, but the goal was for us to lead on his earth. It's his earth, he owns it, we lead. That's why we see this challenge from God to rule on his earth, to subdue the earth, to work the earth. The whole idea is leadership. The whole idea is organization. In fact, let's take a look at some of those. Very next thing we see, I'm going to jump, I'm going to do one, two, skip a few. But Genesis chapter two, verse one says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. So God created it, and it's beautiful. But then we jump to verse eight, and it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So God is the first gardener. Anybody here enjoying gardening? Enough to come over to my house and do it for free? Just checking. I got some weeds. We'll get to that. Anyway, the whole idea is God created everything, but it needed further organization. So God's the first gardener. So anytime you're out putzing around in your garden and you're actually enjoying it and other people think you're nuts, you're actually bringing God into the world. Do you know that? So God makes a garden and there he puts the man he had formed, the man he brought out of the earth. Now we jump over to verse 15 and it says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. Do you see it now? The whole idea here is, yes, God created everything, but then God made Adam and he put him in the place that he created and said, now work the thing that I made. Are you with me? So this is pre-sin, this is pre-fall, this is pre-flood. We'll get to that in just a moment. But in the very beginning, work was good. But it doesn't always feel that way today, does it? Before we get to what went wrong and where we are and what we can take away from this, I don't want you to miss this nugget. God's idea of work involves everything good. Creation. Are any of you like entrepreneurial types? Are any of you artists? Are any of you engineers? Do you love just creating an idea and working with it and bringing it about? You're being like God when you do it. Cultivation. So it tells us in Genesis chapter two that there were certain kinds of plants that God didn't plant back in the Genesis chapter one because there was no human to work the ground. So God went ahead and created human and then he created those kinds of seed bearing plants so that those kinds of things that Adam and Eve could cultivate. So are you the kind of person who enjoys taking something that maybe somebody else created and working with it and working to make something out of it? It could be farming, it could be animals, but it could be business. You're not the kind of person who gets excited about the startup. You're the kind of person who loves to take the disorganization of what somebody else created and go, man, I think I can make this even better. Are you the kind of person who enjoys expansion? God gives the challenge to Adam and Eve. I want you to go take this garden and expand it. So the garden is one little centric place, but he wants them to be fruitful and multiply so they're going to have kids. And at some point, the kids are going to take over the garden. There's going to be too many kids for the garden. So we have to expand the garden. We have to continue to grow. Are you the kind of person who loves to look at the company or the, whatever you work with and go, you know, if we were to take this strategic risk right now, we could expand this thing. When you do that, did you know you were actually representing God? What about service? The whole idea, Adam is made first and he is alone. In fact, he's kind of miserable. And God makes Eve and puts Eve in there and calls Eve the helpmate, the helper for Adam. The whole idea though, there's many, many things unpacked theologically there, but one of the things we could take away from that is Adam couldn't do the work by himself. He needed a partner. Are you the kind of person who gets really excited about coming alongside another person to help them succeed? That's just the way God made you. I am so thankful, I am so blessed with such a talented team, so many people on our team. And many of them will even say to me, Matt, I have zero desire to speak and preach every single Sunday. I'm just thankful to do this part. And I'm going, I'm so thankful that you're doing that part because that allows me to work on sermons and do the part I do. Like, imagine a workplace where you work of people working together to help the company succeed. Imagine you or perhaps your coworkers or your teammates or your boss not feeling threatened by what you bring to the team but instead feeling valued to going, oh, you're good at that? I'm good at this. Imagine if we got our pride out of the way and worked together. Because when we do that, we actually are bringing God into the world. Provision. Have you ever noticed that our food needs come from what God originally created? And then he tells us, go ahead and work all this stuff and make more of it. I want to know who the first person to discover popcorn was. I want to know that, you know maybe, perhaps it was some American Indian you know, and I was walking along, and I was like, "Oh, look at that! I think I can make more of that." The whole idea, though, is that God's Earth actually provides and meets our needs. Generosity. I want you to ponder what I'm about to say for a minute. This this one blew my mind as I was doing some studying about two years ago and I said this in a series we did last fall, but this one still blows my mind. Have you ever pondered for a minute the amount of, uh, say, apples that just go to waste in the world? There is an abundance of resources on God's creation. The problem is not the way that God created it. The problem is the human heart and the way greed has taken over and the way we selfishly hoard things But have you ever thought for just a moment, when I bought my house, we had three apple trees. Within the first five years moving here, we had three kids. And I was like, I'm done. I am done going out, cleaning up apples, dealing with bees, dealing with wasps, dealing with yellow jackets, dealing with raccoons, dealing with every wild animal. And I loved some of that, but I didn't love all that. So I cut all three apple trees down. You're like, yeah, I know. But I watched apple after apple after apple just go into the ground feed some of the local animal life, and then go to waste. Have you ever noticed that God is a generous God? So every time you look at your work, your company, your business, your finances, your family, and say, how can we give more away? Did you know you're actually bringing God into the world? Again, same thing with abundance, and same thing with blessing. When we think of work, I'm convinced part of the reason we think of work as bad and weekends as good is because we don't understand that in our work we're actually bringing good tove back into the world. We're actually bringing God into our workplace. Genesis 2:18. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I want to take a moment right here to say quickly to the ladies For years, you've been told that your place is to be in the kitchen making dinner. I hope by God's grace, you don't ever hear that message here because it's actually not a biblical message. If you read Proverbs chapter 31, which is addressed to what a godly woman looks like, go read it. What you will find is that the woman who celebrated Proverbs 31, she's a worker. She actually starts businesses on the side and she does things to assist in the family income. And I just wanted to put that nugget out there because this isn't just for the men who go to work. So whether your role in this life is being a teacher or a doctor or a salesman or a stay-at-home mom or dad or an accountant or an IRS, okay, maybe not all of those things, but (laughs) when you do good work, You're actually bringing God into the world, which makes Monday a completely different thing, which makes Monday part of who we are, not the thing we have to endure so we can get to the weekend. Do you see the difference? It changes why you do what you do. It changes the attitude and the motivation. Uh, Quickly, and I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but what went wrong If that's the way everything was originally created, why does it not look and feel that way today? Some of you already know the answer to this, but you have to get this because it is part of the biblical uh, understanding that we have to have. In Genesis chapter 3, what we see is Adam and Eve running around naked, enjoying the garden, and everything is wonderful. But then Adam and Eve do the one thing God asked them not to do. God put two trees in the garden, the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And he said, you can eat of any tree in this garden. Stay away from the one of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's the thing. Adam and Eve decided they knew more than God. They weren't going to take God seriously. They weren't going to trust God. They weren't going to respect the boundaries God gave them. And so they went and ate of that tree. And after that, everything falls apart. And God comes down, and he curses Satan, and he curses Eve, and he curses Adam. And you need to understand curses as like, now that you have chosen not to trust me, here's how life is going to look for you. And I just want to show you one of these things, because this is Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And here's the thing I think. I think work looks and feels like that more than all the other stuff today. It's long days, long nights, sometimes two and three jobs to pay the bills. I know for some of you, that's your story. It's lack of respect. It's lack of honor. It's not fun. And by the sweat of your brow, you eat your food. And here's what I want you to hear me say from this. This is because of sin. But this is not the way that God designed his original world. Things are not looking like God designed them to look. So even all those pictures of the beauty of God's creation, even some of those just reflect today the brokenness of where we are in sin. Have you noticed that the earth can meet your needs, but there's still viruses and sickness? Have you noticed that even though there's an abundance of food, not everybody has enough? Have you noticed that even though there's water to drink, there's often bacterias and things like that in the water that will make some sick? Are you with me? The whole idea here is the earth was created to meet our needs, but it can't meet our needs the way it wants to because sin is in the way. This is exactly what Paul is trying to get to in Romans chapter 8 when he says even the earth is crying out. It's groaning because it longs to be set free. It's being subjected to the curse of sin. It hates it. That's why it can't wait for Jesus to return. That's why the rocks and the trees are gonna cry out, they're gonna clap their hands. It can't wait for it to be set free, to do what it was designed to do, because then it will be good again. It will function according to what God had created it to do. So here's the point to all of that. Every time you function according to the way that God designed you originally, you're bringing Tove back into the world. Every time you show up to work on time and do the job that God has created you to do, you're bringing Tov into the world. Every time you make a good deal with somebody that doesn't just look out for you, but also looks out for them, you're bringing Tov into the world. Every time you keep your word in the business place, you're bringing Tov into the world. Every time you work with an employee to try to rehabilitate, re, rehabilitate them, to change them. Every time you show them grace and truth, you hold them accountable so that it's not hurting the rest of the team, you're bringing Tov into the world. Every time you don't abuse your position of power to gain personally, but instead use your position of power to serve other people, you're bringing Tov into the world. Every time you don't talk negatively about your bosses and those in leadership, but instead encourage them and come alongside them, perhaps even speaking hard truths at your own risk, you're bringing Tove back into the world. Every time you try to help another employee when they're carrying a heavy load, even if it's not your responsibility, you're bringing Tove back into the world. Are you seeing how this works? We live under the weight of sin. Things aren't as they will be one day. But between here and there, we are called to be Jesus in the world. So, your workplace is your ministry. When I was growing up as a young man in my church, we would often do these special invitations for people to stand up and say, I want, I want to be a minister, I want to be a pastor. And we'd call them up, and we'd get excited. And I'm gonna be honest, I think God is calling some of you to do that, to leave your full-time secular work and become full-time ministry professionals. However, the vast majority of you, that's not true. The vast, vast, vast majority, that's not true. And what God is calling you to do is to go be a pastor, go be a minister in your everyday work, in your everyday life. So that whether you're coaching a kid's soccer game, you're bringing Tove to that place. Or whether you're working Monday to Friday, you're bringing Tove into that place. Are you with me? So let's just do a quick evaluation. How are you doing? I mean, like, really, how are you bringing good through your work? Would other people look at the job you're doing and know that you believe in God? Would other people look at the work that you've done and say there's something different about them? Or would other people look at the work that you do and say, hey, I'm not so sure? Because we have a beautiful opportunity to bring Tove tomorrow. So I wanna give a, a couple challenges to you, and some of these will certainly be uncomfortable, but then I wanna close with a prayer. Here's my first challenge. If you're hearing this message and the Spirit is beginning to speak to you, and maybe convict you that you haven't worked as hard as you should have, I wanna encourage you to make tomorrow a new day. And I wanna ask you to do the boldest thing you've ever done. I want you to go to either the people who hold you accountable, that might be your board or perhaps people who work for you, or it might be if you're an employee, it might be your your boss, whoever it is. I want you to go to them tomorrow and I just want you to own it. Truly, I mean, I want you to own it. I want you to go to them and I just want you to say, "Hey." I've not been giving you my best. And I'm sorry. And I want you to give God the credit. You could even say, Hey, at church yesterday, a pastor got up and he was beating me over the head with a spiritual two by four. And I'm just convicted. I'm not giving you my best. And uh, you deserve better. You're paying me for better. And I'm sorry. You're going to see better out of me. I know. Some of you are sitting there going, Can't I just act differently and not actually say anything? Well, you could. That would be better than saying something and doing nothing, so if those are the only two choices I have, then do that. But there's something powerful about humility. There's something powerful about repentance. And the one thing that the gospel teaches us is that when we come to God in repentance, he forgives us and is willing to work with us, bringing life where there's currently death, just like he did in Genesis chapter 1. And perhaps you going to your boss or whoever it might be that is in your mind, going to them and saying, I've not been giving enough, and I'm sorry, and today marks a new day. There's accountability there. Because see, right now, it's just an emotional message coming from me, and it doesn't have to mean anything. I am really, really frustrated where America is in some ways right now. And I'm not here to talk politics. I don't fully understand how we got here. I don't even know how to get us out of it. I'm not smart enough for that but I get really frustrated when I go places and I see a handful of employees working their tail ends off, trying to do a job that a bigger team should do, but they can't get enough people to sign up to take the jobs so that they could do it. And I don't know why they're staying away. They could all be sick. They could all be injured or they could be being paid too much money by the government. So they're staying home. I don't know. I do know this. I'm seeing it over and over and over again. And certain places keep apologizing to me. I'm so sorry, we're slow. We can't find enough help. I'm so sorry this, we can't get enough good help. Now, before COVID ever hit, I got a lot of men and women in our community who work in leadership positions and they're saying to me, we can't find good employees. We can't find people willing to show up on time and willing to stay until the work is done. Let that not be said of us. Let us decide today that whatever it is I do, I'm going to bring Tove into the world. And I'll tell the story real quick. A few years ago, I, um, I got to go to our missionaries in Mexico, WWHO. And Ernesto was really excited. He, we're standing up there at his house where the mission is. And down the hill is this like factory. He said, see the factory way down there, Matt? And I said, yeah. He said, uh, we, we led a man to the Lord. And he came to us and he was going to apply for a job. And he got the job, he was really excited. We were praying with him, and so we celebrated. And he said, I told the man, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be the first one to show up every morning. Nobody beats you there. And I want you to be the last one to leave. And before you leave work every day, I want you to go to your boss and just ask your boss, what do you need me to do before I go home? He said within a year, he was running the whole facility. Now that may not be your story, but the power of a man meeting Jesus and his pastor saying to him, here's how you're gonna live differently. It became a light in the darkness. Remember, God separated the light from the dark. My life as a believer in Jesus Christ is not to look at the lowest common denominator and say, how do I become like that? Well, this is what everybody else does. My job as a believer is to say, how do I be a light in the darkness? How do I take the tove and multiply it into the world? And I want to read one last passage to you. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I think if we were to get that one little nugget here, it would change the way we view tomorrow. When you go to work tomorrow, you're not serving your boss. You're not serving the company. You're not serving so you can go on vacation or have, you know, the weekends. When you go to work, whatever it is you do, you're serving Jesus. And to that end, here's how I want to close. If you're somebody who wants to have an attitude change, you're somebody who wants to see your workplace as a place to serve and to give back to the world, what I wanna ask is I just wanna ask you to stand right now and I wanna pray over you. And maybe if you're at home, you could stand or you could just raise your hand wherever you are. If you just wanna stand, I wanna pray over you. That's okay if everybody stands and it's okay if one person stands. I wanna pray that God would lead you in your workplace to be a missionary for him. you're standing. Go bring Tove into the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, would you bless these men and women? God, would you bless the students? God, would you help us to cultivate and create and expand and grow and bless and be generous in this world because that's who you are. And God, some of us need an attitude change about work some of us need an attitude change about our boss. So God, help us to bring light into the darkness. God, help us to work hard, to work faithfully, to do what we're paid to do. God, help those who feel convicted to own perhaps their laziness. That God, through your power and through your strength, they could actually transform their workplace by bringing Tove back into the world. God, we love you. We thank you for your word and the way it speaks to us, and convicts us. And we ask all these things now in Jesus' name. And all God's people say,